this podcast from Jubilee Church Derby, a church family looking to make a difference across the city of Derby and beyond. This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Never give anybody a microphone with a switch on. That's the motto, isn't it? There we are. Well, good morning. Really good to see you. I'm surprised to see all of you, actually. In fact, I'm surprised to see any of you. Mainly because I wasn't meant to be here this morning. I'm meant to be in Burton this morning, and John's meant to be here. Um, But the snow rather scuppered our plans somewhat. Um, because whilst I was talking to Matt on the phone early this morning, and whilst we agreed that I could probably get to Burton, that wouldn't be a problem, A38 would be all right-ish, getting into Winds Hill and up the hill, I guess the clue's in the name, Winds Hill, um, would have been slightly tricky, would be the understatement, I believe. So um, we decided that um, it was probably best for me not to try that, and uh, John decided he wasn't going to try getting here because getting off his drive was one thing. But get, again, getting up the hill in Wins Hill uh, was going to prove impossible. So <clears throat> we decided that he wouldn't come here, but I would. And um, then subsequently Matt decided that really it wasn't going to work for them to meet in Burton at all today. So they've cancelled. But you guys have made it. Yeah, yeah well done. Which is thrilling, and I'm so pleased you're here. And it's, no, I'm enjoying being here. It's great to be here. Good to see you all. The slight challenge in all of this is, of course, I expected to be in Burton and preaching there, not in Derby and preaching here. But all is well, because I had a preach prepared for Burton this morning. I thought, ah, uh-huh. I can just preach that here. I think that's fine. Nice and easy, nice and straightforward. God says, no. I'm not so happy about this. Me and God have a little discussion about it. And um, he wins, as is uh, generally the case. So whilst I came thinking, I'm good, I know what I'm going to speak on, I'm all prepared, got the preach nicely ready for Burton, preach it here this morning, just felt really that that wasn't right. But there's a passage of Scripture that God um, underlined to me, and really feel we should spend some moments in that. So when Paul started the meeting about, I think, going outside our comfort zones in worship, I feel like I had a double whammy this morning, because not only have we had a kid's song, which is, again, me slightly outside my comfort zone, but we also get me preaching uh, with the summary of notes, as you see before you. Um, And perhaps a couple of sentences here. Um, but that's what I feel God has got for us. So I'm doing my best to be obedient, and uh, we'll see where we go. Is that all right? Yeah. That's the plan. What I don't have up here is any sort of time-type device. So um, can you pass in my phone, please, babe, and then on my iPad or something with a clock on it? Thank you. Otherwise, there's a high chance of this um, going on at some length. So let me just turn this on and then um, we can pray and we'll read some scripture together and see what God has for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. 
Lord, our souls do indeed sing to you. And thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace on our lives. And as we spend some moments looking at your word together, we pray, would you come and speak to us? Would you be our teacher? Would we have ears to hear what you have for us this morning from your words? Uh, Lord, I pray for myself uh, that I'd hear from you as we look at this passage together. And I pray for my brothers and sisters here that they too would hear from you and that we would learn together. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so who believes this is God's word? Who believes it's living and active and does us good? So what we could do is just read it and I could stop there. That wouldn't be a bad thing. Um, but we are going to read it and I'm not going to stop there because I think there's some things that God has got for us. So I'm assuming you have your Bible with you, either a printed version or at least an electronic on your device type version. Could you open, scroll or click, please, to Hebrews chapter 10. I don't think this is a passage that I've preached from before, although it is a passage I've referred to um, a number of times, I'm sure. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, we'll start reading at. So this is Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. It's a great passage, isn't it? It's a great book, letter uh, to the Hebrews. And this particular passage, um, I guess, is, um, is one that I've referred to on many occasions, although I haven't actually preached through it as far as I'm aware. But what I felt to do was to go through verse by verse, and there are some things that I felt God wanted to underline to us this morning as a community of people. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, I feel God wants to remind us of our confidence in him this morning. We can have confidence to approach him. Because it's not about what you've done, it's about what Jesus has done. So often we can think, ah, oh, but I can't come close to God now, or I can't pray, or I can't do this because of dot, dot, dot. And we sort of fill in the blanks. Maybe you, you feel that, you know, you've had a week that's been far from God. Or you haven't been the sort of person that you wanted to be, let alone the sort of person you thought Jesus might want you to be. Or maybe you thought, actually, no, I haven't prayed or I haven't opened up his word. How can I then come to him? 
How can I then approach him? How can I even gather in, in a setting like this and worship and encounter God? The writer of the Hebrews says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence, and the reason we can have confidence is because it's not about you, it's about him. It's not about how good you've been, it's about how good he is. It's not about what you've done or haven't done, it's about what Jesus has accomplished on the cross. It's about his death and resurrection. It's his mercy, his grace and his goodness. The only thing you bring to the equation is your sin. You don't bring your hard work or your effort or what you may or may not have done. You don't bring the fact that you've maybe read your Bible every day this week and you've prayed for an hour each morning before work. You don't bring that. Actually, it's not about what you've done. It's about him. And we come by his grace. He gives us access to the Father because of what he has done. As we put our trust in Jesus, as we believe what he has accomplished on the cross, his death and his resurrection, that gives us confidence to approach him. So friends, I feel God wants to underline to us this morning and remind us of the confidence that we have in him. It's not about you, it's about him. And because of that, you can be confident. You can have confidence in that. What do you have confidence to do? Well, you have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. You have confidence to, to approach him by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. So you'll, you'll know the picture, I'm sure, many of you, you'll know how it was in Old Testament times. The most holy place, the place where the presence of God dwelt, was separated off from the vast majority of people. In fact, it was so holy that the high priest himself could only approach there once a year. And we're told that he used to go in with a rope around his ankle so that if he died in there, the other priest wouldn't have to go in to get him out because it was so holy, they could just sort of drag him out by the rope. <laughs> Sound great, does it? But it was such a holy place that you couldn't approach. There was this curtain that, that masked the area off because it was so holy, you, you couldn't look even at the, the area of the presence of God. You couldn't approach, you couldn't get in. What does this say? Now we have confidence to approach the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by what he's done. By a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain. The curtain's been torn in two now. That is his body, it's what he has done. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. See, we can draw near. Old Testament times, they couldn't get close. They knew that's where the presence of God was. It wasn't the case of, we're not sure where God dwells. We're not sure where his presence is. No, no, they knew. He was there, right there in the Holy of Holies. 
So the question wasn't, where is it? It was, you can't approach. Only the high priest, only once a year, can actually approach. But what we now can do is draw near to God because of what he's done. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. See, Jesus deals with our sin, deals with our conscience, cleanses us, purifies us, makes us righteous, enabling us to now approach the Father. It's good, isn't it? I feel the Lord wants to remind us of that this morning and, and remind us to have confidence in the way we approach God. It's not having arrogance, but it's having confidence saying, Lord Jesus, I know that I can come. I know that I'm a son or a daughter of the King. Knowing who you are in Christ, friends, is so important. His sons and daughters don't hold back, do they? They don't think, oh, can I come close? Can I, can I draw, can I, get, can I get in? They know who they are. They know that they can come, come straight into the Father. And God, wants us to, God wants to remind us of that this morning for us. But he goes on. <clears throat> the writer here says this, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. I think we live in an age now where there are lots of different ideas promoted, aren't there? Now, we've always lived in an age where there's lots of different ideas promoted. That's been true from the beginning of time. That was true in Bible times. There are lots of different alternative theories and uh, different belief structures. And there, there are other people teaching different things. That's not, that's not anything new. But I think in our generation, what's new is the accessibility of all that. You know, within moments and a few clicks from just your phone, you know, you can have access to pretty much any sort of teaching that would teach you anything you want to know. And listen, that's not always good. Just because someone is teaching it doesn't mean it's true. Just because somebody's got a podcast doesn't give it authority. Just because they've got so many followers on social media does not give them credence. And yet we can think, oh, it's very popular. Oh, there's lots of people like it. Oh, lots of people listen to it. Must be right. No. Friends, how do we tell if something's true? How do we tell if it's right? How do we tell if it lines up with what God has said? You go back and check. That's why this book is so important to us. It's what God has said to us. It's written in his word. Does what you're hearing or reading line up with what God has already said? It might give you a greater understanding of it. That's the, one of the aims of preaching, to have a greater understanding of God's word. But it's not some new teaching that deviates from this. This is our plumb line. This is what we believe to be true. So everything we read, everything we, we hear, we need to measure against what God has already said. 
Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Let's hold unswervingly to what God has already said, to his word. Let's, let's hold on tight to it. When we're battered by different uh, ideas, when we're, when we're hit with different uh, ways of thinking or living, when people say, no, that's not true, you want to believe this, or no, no, you can live like that, it's okay. We need to come back and say, what has God already said? What does his word say? What has he made clear to us already? What does the Bible say? Let us hold unswervingly to it. And in this day and age, it feels like there's more and more of that. It feels like there's more and more of, oh, well, the Bible didn't really mean that. God didn't really say. You know what? That is Satan's oldest trick in the book. Did God really say? That was way back in the Garden of Eden. Same trick he still uses. Did God really say? Did he really mean that? Oh, I don't think so. don't think the Bible really says that. Friends, we've got to know, we've got to know this. We've got to be reading it, checking it. Listen, just because I say it, just because somebody from this platform stands up and preaches it, still check it. Not in some arrogant way that says, oh, I'm going to check to see if the Bible says that. But in an open-hearted way that says, you know what, I want to hear it for myself. I want to read it for myself and understand it for myself. Because then, when you get battered on it, or you get asked questions, you're not saying, oh, well, well Graham said... You need to be saying, God said. His word says. We don't live our lives on what I say. We live our lives on what he says. So let's hold unswervingly to it. Let's hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. Listen, we have a hope, don't we? And it's not the sort of hope that we have of our favourite football team winning on a particular weekend. It's not that sort of hope. It's a hope that is certain. A biblical hope is a certainty. We have a hope that we can hold unswervingly to. It's Jesus. We have a hope. We know how it's going to end, don't we? We've read the end of the book. We know where this thing's going. We know what God is doing in the world. Let's hold on to it because he who promised is faithful. He really is, isn't he? He's faithful. Time and time again, God proves himself faithful. You read that in scripture. Most of us have known that in our own lives. We see it in the lives of one another around us. God is indeed faithful. Then the writer here goes on. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. I think it's an interesting choice of words. It's not just encourage one another in love and good deeds. We'll come to that in a moment. But it's spur one another on. Towards love and good deeds. What's a spur? Are any of you horse riders here? 
No horseriders. Okay. So neither am I. <coughs> but my understanding is this of a spur. It's something that's worn in the shoe or boots of a horse rider and it has an edge to it. It's sharp. And it's used to spur the horse on towards greater speed. Is that right? That's my understanding of a spur. Okay, so it's not a gentle sort of, well, I think you could do a little bit, go a little bit faster there. Come on, horsey, horsey, you know, off we go. And then there's a jab to it. There's a, sort of, there's a sharpness to it that, it that gets the horse running to its full potential. What does the writer of the Hebrews here say? Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So, I want to ask you, have you got people in your life who are spurring you on towards love and good deeds? I would like to suggest that it's probably not most helpful to just go around jabbing one another and spurring one another on without any invitation to do it. That's a guaranteed way on how to offend people and wind people up. Don't do that. But listen, do do this. You could invite people to speak into your life. You could say to one or two trusted friends, hey, I, I, I want you to encourage me. I want you to spur me on. I want to fulfill all that God has got for me. Will you help me do that? And if you ask one or two trusted and godly friends to do that for you, then they will. I can think of people in my life who have done that. Who do do that, even recently, who are spurring me on, not wanting me to settle for what I've seen, but encouraging me to go for the next thing, to not give up. And are spurring me on, like, come on, you can do it. There's a sort of sharpness to it sometimes, but you know what? Sometimes we need that. And for a horse to run to its full potential, it needs the spur. It needs the spur of the rider. Friends, we need the spur not only of the Holy Spirit, but of one another as well. I need that, and so do you. So my question is, who are you inviting to speak into your life in that way? Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more, as you see the day approaching. I'm going to talk on encouragements next Sunday, I think. But let me just say this on this subject of spurring. Sometimes encouragement is a bit like spurring. It has that sharpness and, and, and edge to it. There's a great picture in the Bayer Tapestry. I don't know if we, can, um, if we have the... Uh, the magic, magic wizardry to get it on the screen. There we are. So the, the description of this particular scene in the, in the Bayer Tapestry is this. Bishop Odo encourages the squires. And he encourages them with a staff in his hand. So his method of encouragement is a sort of a swift bash around the head with his staff. That's what it looks like. And yet it says, Bishop Odo encourages his squires. Isn't just a gentle, there, there, go on, it'll be all right, get back in the battle. It's a bit of a slap around the head with his staff. 
please don't go out and buy a staff. Please don't start hitting people around the head with it. That's not what I'm suggesting. But I am saying this. Sometimes encouragement is more like that. Sometimes encouragement is more like that spur. Don't give up. Don't stop now. God's got more for you. Keep going. We all need those sort of people that say those sort of things to us. More often than perhaps we realise. Thanks, guys. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Well, even on a snowy day, you didn't give up meeting together. So, well done. You passed that one. If you're listening to the recording, it says, let us not give up meeting together. It's so important, isn't it? You can read that and think, why? Why is it so important? Well, there are some things that, that happen as we meet together that don't happen on our own. Now, you can worship God on your own. You can do it. Maybe you play an instrument. You can sit there with your guitar and worship the Lord. You can do that well. You can put a CD on or some music on and worship along with that. You can just sing a psalm and worship the Lord while you're out walking. Know that. But there is a dynamic that happens when we worship Jesus with other people that's different. And you don't get that on your own. Hearing God's word taught and preached, applied to our lives as we gather together. There's an encouragement that comes from meeting together. There's an encouragement from, that comes from, oh, you're facing that as well. Or, you know, I'm going to pray for you in that situation. There's an encouragement that comes from meeting together that doesn't happen when we don't. And there's an encounter with the Holy Spirit as well that seems to happen as the church gathers. Now, I know you can encounter the Holy Spirit on your own. But there seems to be something of a dynamic in the corporate that as the church gathers, God loves to come and, and, and meet with his, his body, meet with his people. Paul makes it clear what the purpose of gifts of the Spirit are in um, 1 Corinthians 14. Paul says, What shall we say then, brothers, when you come together, everyone has a hymn or word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or interpretation, all of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. As the church gathers, the church is strengthened. I know you could look at different situations around the world and say, oh, they can't gather very often then, yet God seems to bless them. That's true. doesn't mean that it's its perfect design, though. The church is meant to gather. And as we do that, Spiritual gifts are released, the purpose of which are to build up, to edify, and to encourage. So you are meant to be built up, edified, and encouraged as you gather with other believers. So that means that our purpose as we gather, yes, is to worship Jesus, but in so doing, to seek to be an encouragement to others, to seek to be that person who builds up, to seek to be that person who edifies, to seek to be that person who comes alongside. So I want to ask you, are you being that person? As we don't give up meeting together, are you, are you, are you bringing that to the party? Are you bringing that to the occasion? Are you saying, I want to be that person? 
Because listen, as you're that person to others, I want to suggest that maybe others will be that person to you. So please don't think, oh, well, no one's encouraged me. I haven't felt built up today. Listen, maybe you could go and encourage somebody else. Maybe today you need to build up somebody else and go, I just want to encourage you in this, or, or I know you're going through a tough time here, so I'm going to pray for you and be with you and stand with you in it. Friends, that happens as we, as we meet together. And as we meet together, God speaks to us by his Spirit. As we, as we meet together, often gifts of the Spirit are released. And he encounters us. And he changes us. I love it when God encounters us. Because I know I need to be changed. And I know that as God comes by his Spirit, he does something in our hearts. Does something in my heart. I know he does that in yours as well. Let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We'll look at encouragement, I think, a bit more next week. Because it's a spiritual gift, actually. Maybe not the most famous one. Maybe not the top of the list of, oh, that's the one I want. But it is. And we'll look at it next week as to why it is. Can we stand together? I want us to pray as we close. Perhaps the band could come back, please, if that's possible. Sorry. <laughs> Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Father, that we have confidence this morning to enter the most holy place. Thank you, it's not about what we've done or haven't done or tried to do. But it's about what you have accomplished. And thank you that as we gather, we can approach you, you encounter us, you meet with us, you encourage us, you speak to us. And we thank you that as we gather, you build us up. into that body you're making us to be. You're, you build us up into that building of living stones. And so God, we, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your work in our hearts. We thank you that you've caused us to be a blessing to others. And all that doesn't stop here. It's not just a Sunday thing, but it spills out to the world around us. And so, Lord, we do ask that all that you do in our hearts would spill out to those around us in the coming days, even this week. That, God, we would seek to be a blessing to, to those around us in our workplaces, in our homes, in our neighbourhoods. That, God, we would seek to bring your kingdom into every situation, to every conversation, to every interaction. God, would we have an ear to heaven as to what you would say in those moments? 
that God, we might be pointing people to you at every opportunity. Lord, give us opportunities this week, please, to point people to Jesus, to point people to you. Lord, for those that we work with, those that we live amongst or um, hang out with, we say, God, give us opportunities this week to point people towards you and the hope that we find in you and the confidence that we find in you. Would we have opportunities this week to speak of that and point people to it? We ask it, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday.